Hi, and welcome to From Many People's Strength, the podcast that covers Saskatchewan politics and current events. My name is Corey Johnson, and my pronouns are he and him. And my name is David Richards, and my pronouns are he and him, or they and them. All right. So. <laughs> a, a, new, uh, a new format where Corey attempts to keep me on topic. <laughs> We're going to try it. We'll see what happens. <laughs> So if anyone's yeah. listening and gets offended by Corey telling me to shut up, I've given him full permission <laughs> to silence the Dave if Dave is rambling incoherently about stuff. So, so all right, let's start off. We've got City Hall. Thank you for your... Dan LeBlanc says Regina yeah. City Councilors should be full time positions. And this is something I'm curious what your your uh, view is, because we've kind of discussed this a little bit uh, about whether or not, you know, they obviously they get paid, uh, yeah. but do they get paid, you know, en- enough to have it as a full time position? Yeah. Um, I, I this is one of those issues that I remember. Um, I remember first. I think it was my dad who first started talking to me about this issue and made me sort of start questioning it like 30 some odd years ago. Like I was like in my early teens when I first started to try and figure out my position on this. And I probably waffle on it more than any other political view I have um, (laughs) on, on the compensation for politicians Um, because the the idea like you, you don't want you know, no one likes the idea of fat cat politicians making too much money. Um, at the same time, um, you also want to, I don't know, to some degree insulate them from corruption by not having financial decisions be what makes like you want them deciding what's best for people, not, not just what's best for their pocketbook. Um, so, and there's an idea of if you're if you want it to be full time and you're not paying a certain amount or over a certain amount, that's certainly going to disincentivize certain people from running. Now, yeah. like <clears throat> I don't think all you know members of parliament or MLAs or city councilors need to be lawyers, um, but I, right. like I do think it is probably important to have at least some of the people involved in writing laws have an education in law. <laughs> it helps. Um, right? So like I do want I do want there to be a couple lawyers on city council. I don't think everyone on city council needs to be a lawyer. Um right. I think having right. mayors of a variety of backgrounds really helps um over the years, but and and then because again the mayor position is a bit different because it's not technically the mayor isn't writing the laws like the councillors are or I guess bylaws in the case of a city council not laws but bylaws Um, but I don't know it's (laughs) there's my non-answer my waffling (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I I think Regina probably is big enough that it should be considered a full-time job Um, uh, therefore you know uh, compensation commensurate with that Um, I think that is not going to be a politically popular position. No. I think think there's going to be a lot of political blowback, and especially with it being Dan LeBlanc, who's the one who said it. Yes. Um, Uh, That that and, like, the timing of it is just, 
I don't know, maybe political. I get why the timing is what it is. Like it, it, it is relevant to what's happening. Yeah. But when, like, when you are one of the most hated people in the city at that point in time, deciding to ad- publicly advocate for a raise is probably, <laughs> probably not the most politically. Um, yeah. Yeah. That said, like, I, most hated and also, very well loved by a lot of people as well, right? Because there's there's definitely well, two sides to this argument. Yeah, and I would say I would say unfairly hated, right? Yeah, like I'd probably agree with that. He had he had an idea, he put it forward, it went through a committee, and then he withdrew it when it became you know apparent that he wasn't going to get the support from the rest of his uh, yeah. co counselors and stuff. It wasn't a big deal, honestly. It yeah. just made the only reason that it made news in. Saskatchewan is because we're such a because we're sucking the dick yeah. of oil companies like we because <laughs> we yeah. can't stop like we're addicted to it I guess I yeah. don't know <laughs> yeah so yeah the, again I, I think I, I well I guess I'll hear your thoughts on the the, the full time and the compensation piece of it because I've sort of mostly well, given I mean, my thoughts I mean I uh, I remember last year. Uh, when I think it was last year when they, the city council got, gave themselves a bit of a raise yeah. and a lot of people, even on my, uh, friends list were like, no, why are they getting a raise? Blah, blah, blah. I don't see why they, they already make enough. And, and my initial reaction was more like, wow, but this is work. They're doing work for us. <laughs> they need to get compensated. How much time are they putting in? Yeah. Uh, you know, like this needs to be a reasonable wage if we expect them to do a good job. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so in my like, I kind of feel like, yeah, sh- yeah. sure. Make yeah. this a job. Yeah. You know, and I don't know what that puts the salary up to. So um, that last year when they voted before the vote, it was um, forty five thousand four forty two. Um, and they voted an increase over three years. So at the end of the three years, it'll be up to fifty seven six sixty. Um, and 57,000 a year is a, is a good wage, um, good salary. Like it's, I'm not, I, I think I would be pretty, um, out of touch, um, saying that, you know, $57,000 a year isn't a, a good salary. Yeah. It's not like they're making six figures, right? (laughs) No. Um, and like, yeah. And for a part-time job, especially, right? Like that's. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Um, so that that's good pay for a part time job. I don't know if that's. I I don't know if you're going. To, I don't know how many people you will lose. Um, if you make that the level of compensation for a full time job, um, and one thing I do want to be clear on as well on the the people. You will lose. You won't lose millionaires by making the salary fifty-seven thousand, <laughs> right? Right, or a hundred thousand, or whatever. You won't. You won't right. lose that. You won't or zero. If you, it, it's yeah. Like when you when you keep salaries low, yes, you can attract some people who currently are earning low income. So if you make the salary fifty thousand a year, that is a very attractive salary for someone making thirty thousand a year. Yes. Um, once you start getting up into, you know, obviously once you're at 60, 70, 80,000, that's not 
not a good salary anymore. And it's fine when it's someone who is earning interest on their investments or like rate of return on their existing wealth. If someone is already making 200 grand a year not working, then yeah. you could pay virtually nothing, right? So you, you still will get the very rich going on to city councils. And, and again, yeah. Regina doesn't have a lot of, I don't think we have any billionaires, but like Regina doesn't have tons of multimillionaires. We do have a few. Um, yeah. Multimillionaires can afford to be on city council if you make the salary $1 a year. Yeah. Um, and they're interested in the, in the goings on of a city yeah. council enough that they might do it anyway, no matter yeah. what the wage is, right? Yeah. So I just took a look here. The median household income. So I've been trying to find individual, but the median household income in Saskatchewan in 2019 was 89760 So the median income is just under 90000 Um So in a two-income family where both spouses are earning exactly the same amount or both income earners are earning the exact same amount, they would both be earning about 45000 Yeah. Um, but this is also including... Um, single income households in that as well. So I've got to imagine 57,000 probably falls below the, the median. Oh, it does. Sorry. I just found it here. The individual median income for Saskatchewan, um, is, oh no, this is, that's old. That was six years ago. Oh, okay. uh, I'm trying to find. Trying to find it here. Go to go to go stats can researching stuff on the internet while in the middle of a podcast. I apologize, <laughs> but it, it, it's it's over fifty seven. Um, so you're you're you are looking at the fact that like over half the province will take would have to take a pay cut to be on city council. Um, and you want yeah. people who are doing it for because they're passionate and right, da, da, right. Da, 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 but yeah, like. like <sighs> What uh, what is it? What is the pay say for uh, a provincial politician? <laughs> Significantly more. I know that does start getting up into six figures. Um, okay, so like uh, you wonder is somebody because we want people to be passionate about it. So does that? Do we need to pay them more, or do we want to pay them a little bit less, like to increase their? You know, because it's something they care about, like. Uh, Instead of based on salary, like, I don't know how you calculate this stuff. (laughs) So um, MLA is a hundred grand, just over a hundred thousand. And then lots and lots of other positions get added onto that. Right. So, um, uh, you know, start getting into like deputy speaker, deputy chair of a committee, chair of a committee. Um, like they start making more. And yeah. More just being on committees gets you more money. Um, being a chair of committee gets you more money. Um, you know, being the third party caucus chair, if we ever had a third party, um, gets you more. So there's a lot of other things that get added on um, to that hundred thousand, but basically you're looking at about a hundred. Okay, yeah, that, I mean that's really good. They're full time, right? Yep. I mean they're not d- expected to do another job on top of that. Maybe, maybe if the salary for a city councilor was maybe not a hundred thousand, but yeah, like you say, seventy thousand. Yeah, federal and provincial, you also start dealing with some like benefits that ex- go well and beyond like well above and beyond like the pension received by yeah. MLAs and MPs is 
like that that does start getting into ridiculous levels when you, when you start looking at the compensation they receive after they're done. But again, again, I'm going to come, come back and almost contradict myself. You then start dealing with the fact that a lot of them are giving up their career to do it. So like, it's not like a, no, a normal career where you progress along the way. It's you're stopping in the middle of whatever career you were at before. You stopped contributing to your existing pension, et cetera. You then go do this other thing and go back to your old career possibly. Um, but, and even like if someone is making, I don't know, a hundred grand a year working on an oil rig, are they going to stop making a hundred grand a year and go beyond city council? Probably not. No. Um, so uh, when we think but, about people making lots of money, it's not just the doctors and the lawyers that I'm, you know, my heart is yeah. bleeding for. No, that's so, right. Anyways. And, I think. Yeah. And th- people are going to make their own calculus, like to figure out where they would, yeah. where they would really be willing to lose money and sign up for something like that. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. That's enough. We're going to put on that one, move on. All right. Um, all right. Next story. Oh, this is warning. I think some listeners may find the stories disturbing. That's that's a good good call. Yeah, uh, that was I, that was right on the news article as well about it. So I okay. yeah, this one's pretty awful. Yes, uh, I mean this is terrible. Nothing has uh, so Angela Sconsby. Yeah. Uh, is claiming that uh, Constable Patrick Skinner uh, sexually assaulted her and forced her into sex and then uh, entered into, uh, like she was in a vulnerable state and uh, began a relationship with him after that and... uh, yeah, no, I, I just, yep. I wanted to, I wanted to put, put this up because, uh, oh. I mean, it, it's a, th- it's a major event with the Saskatoon, uh, police service here. Again, we have, uh, uh, police, I, I feel not holding their own accountable for yep. something like a, a major infraction. Like this is, yep. I mean, this is. I don't know what I don't want. I don't know if I have the right words to describe this <laughs> actually. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's awful. I do not understand how. Okay. I believe her. I believe her when she says she said no. I believe her when she says she was forced. Um, I believe her when she says she was physically coerced. Yes. Even if, even if you, someone didn't believe all of that, I do not understand how it is not a fireable offense against a human resources policy, against an internal police policy, against some, even if it's not criminal, even if you say, you know what, we cannot prove criminality, Yeah, how either there isn't a policy in place or he violated a policy that says if someone is in the middle of firing a police report and they're in a vulnerable state, don't fuck them. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, that's right. 
I have never once in my life had a job where if I had power over someone, I would not have gotten fired for fucking them. Yeah. Right? Like, you can't do that at McDonald's. If you were a McDonald's assistant man, like, don't get me wrong, I, I understand there's coercion and that does happen in, in the workplace. But like, if you were a McDonald's assistant manager and you are into a sexual relationship with someone who reports to you, you should get fired for that. And, and yeah. if it, if it comes to life and is proven, McDonald's typically will, or at least discipline should fire yeah. in a case where a police officer is in a position of power over a vulnerable person within the community. And they are, they literally called this person to their home for the express purpose of filing a police report because they had been the victim of a crime. Um, specifically they were escaping an abusive relationship already. They were like additionally vulnerable in addition to calling the officer there to report. Like there should be a policy within the Saskatoon police force that says police officers are not allowed to engage in sexual activity in those circumstances. So if the issue is there's no policy, that's a fucking blight on the police force for not having that policy. And if that policy is there, him arguing that it was consensual doesn't help. Like, Right, Even right. if you believe him, which I, again, I, I, I believe her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, even if you don't believe her, he, him entering into a consensual relationship under those circumstances. Um, and yeah. I, quite frankly, I don't, I think the term consensual there should almost be in quotation marks. I don't know in that type of power dynamic, whether there can truly be consent because that is not an, that is, that is not an equal power balance, um, in that circumstance. Um, like, but yeah, you, I don't think you can enter into consensual, but even if you want to argue that it is like that should have been a violation of a policy that's in place. And if they do have that policy, why are they not enforcing it? So either why don't they have that policy or why are they not enforcing it? Yeah. And it's like, go ahead. Well, I just, I, <laughs> it's just, the way she describes it, it's so, it's not the kind of thing that uh, sounds consensual to me. So, and here's the thing where people who say not all cops, I, I, I kind of want them, their money put where their mouth is. Why have I not heard a single police officer speaking out against this guy? Yeah. If you want to say not all cops, great. Prove it. Like, is Every officer who remains silent on this is complicit in my mind. Like yeah. you, you, you could speak out. Oh, but they could get fired if they do that. Exactly. Like there you go. Yeah. That's, the, that's point. the point. That's that's <laughs> that's like if they could if they could face disciplinary action for speaking out against one of their own um, violating the oath that they have sworn to uphold. Then yes, then yes, every person who stays in that position is choosing something. They're choosing to remain yeah. silent. They're choosing to not speak up. They're choosing to play within a set of rules that allows that behavior to continue. And, and not to, like, I don't want to pretend that everybody is willing to lose their job to do yeah. the right thing. Oh, right? That's agreed. But... I, but there are certain things that you would have to uh, like 
if you saw a situation like this and you were, a, and it was your coworker, even under, like, I, I have to feel like, even if we don't have the instinct to step up, we all need to work on that and we yeah. all need to develop that. Yeah. And maybe there are officers who are doing it behind the scenes and, and, I guess that would be my one. Like if someone is being a whistleblower behind the scenes, if someone is going to the chief place and we just don't know about it because they're not doing it publicly. Okay. But if you're, if you're doing that behind the scenes and then you still don't see action coming about because of it, if you then see tra- charges are being dropped, he's not being disciplined. It's like I, I have in my work experience had situations where someone was uh, skirting the edge or breaking ethical boundaries. And, you know, every job I've had said internal processes for addressing that. And every job I've had has said, if I know about it and don't report it, I am equally responsible. Right. Because yeah. like private sector HR policies typically have that. Now the level to which different companies or different employers enforce or implement is not going to be consistent, but things where I will go to my manager and say, Hey, just so you're aware, I have seen this guideline being broken. It is unethical. It is, um, it is causing harm to clients. This needs to be addressed. Um, and then I get to see it be addressed and I won't necessarily, like I shouldn't necessarily know how a coworker is disciplined or punished or, or anything like that. Um, but in, in a case like this, it, one would assume it would depend on the infraction and right? the severity, right? Like, yeah. Oh, I accidentally, I don't know, whatever. I accidentally shortchanged a client $5 and didn't tell the client when I realized it. And that's different from this. Yeah. This is, this gives beyond the pale. So yeah. anyways, that's, I think we're, we're in pretty much agreement. I don't know. I don't know anyone who continues to listen to this show or this podcast would not be in agreement with this. Right. Maybe there are yeah. some and, and we get to hear an opposing viewpoint on this one, but I would be pretty, um, pretty shocked if I could hear a compelling argument for anything other than the fact that this is horrendous and that other officers need to step up and say something if they're not currently. And I think it also speaks to the idea like, Anybody who's defending this cop by saying, oh, well, he could lose his job or, oh, this, good, whatever, (laughs) like, I just, like, we have a different standard for people who wield the most power over us. We need to heighten our standard for the behavior we expect from people that are a military force in our streets. (laughs) Like, we have to have a high standard. If we don't, then, then we are no better than a hundred other countries that we think are ruled by dictators. Yeah. Uh, I, I won't go through it now, obviously, because of the time, <laughs> but I, I highly recommend anyone who is interested in the history of policing, look up the original tenets of the, the British police force, the, the Peel's, um, Peel's rules. I think it's Peel, um, Peel's rules of policing. Um, and look to see how many are truly being implemented in today's day and age um, and understand what that means. Because the, the entire purpose of a civilian police force, the reason we have police that as, as we know them today really traces back to, to Robert Peel um, and his rules of policing to prevent 
military rule within a civil society. Like we have these, you know, and I'm sure if I looked more into him, he would have problematic aspects to his history because he was a white British dude from over a hundred years ago. Um, he's probably yeah. not a saint, but his idea of here are the things we need to do and implement in order to protect ourselves from a civil society and uh, as a civil society, sorry, I think I, it's one of those lists that I think everyone needs to read at some point in their life and really get that. Oh yeah, these would be a good thing to do. And oh yeah, we really have <laughs> fallen a far away from, um, having them as, as central, central precepts. So since, since the, uh, uprisings in, uh, the U S and around the world for Black Lives Matter this last year, um, there has been at least two podcasts that are doing, that have done, a really good job of discussing the police and yeah. the history of policing. And, uh, one is behind the police by Robert Evans. And one is, uh, I think it's Archie man, uh, for the commons podcast. He's doing okay. a, a series on the police awesome. and I'll, I'll actually throw links to those in the podcast notes too, because they're just amazing resources for anybody who, uh, wants to learn about the history of the police. And yeah. Great. I mean, I, I say it all the time, but, in my books, the police are the bad guys. So, <laughs> yeah. And I, I fail to see anybody proving me wrong at this point. Yeah. All right. No, money. <laughs> money. Right. Money. Speaking of the people that indirectly pay the police through their money they yes. send to municipalities. <laughs> hey, let's see here. Saskatchewan announces. Two hundred and seventy-five million for municipalities. Yeah, so that's good. Yeah, I want to see how that lines up. Like, it's one of those things where is this in line with inflation or cost of living increases, all that? But like on the surface, it's it's a positive thing. Um, yeah, it's uh, funding amount for this program is based on three quarters of one percent, so point seven five percent of the provincial sales tax revenue collected from two years prior. So it sounds like it's money that's essentially already allocated within the budget and it's more just a matter of this is the money our mud our budget says goes to municipalities and it went up because <laughs> if you're basing things on sales taxes it, it will um it yeah. is also key to note um there's a very good chance we need to be braced for the fact that in two years from now m- municipalities will get less money um as the sales tax revenue decreases from um the the, the from from the covid um <laughs> so it's a good reminder we need to be braced for the fact that the economic impacts of COVID won't be done once we're all vaccinated. And in two years from now, we're going to get a hit, uh, hit by a bit of a funding shortfall on the municipal level as the province, yeah. uh, the province's existing funding formula will decrease the amount of money that municipalities get. So unless they fix it somehow, which would be great. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, the 275 is, is additional funds because there was additional sales tax revenue. It is, uh, in theory, no questions asked funding, although, um, Mo saying that this week after two weeks ago saying this is the kind of funding he would cut if cities did things he didn't like, um, somewhat calls into question him calling it <laughs> unconditional. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Conditions uh, added so, to unconditional things. Yeah. Saying <laughs> it's, it's unconditional unless we add conditions is not really unconditional, but you know, yeah. for now, for now it's unconditional unless you piss them off. Yep. Um, yeah. It brings it up to 3.4 billion. So it, like good stuff. Yeah, that's in, that. That in theory should be a thing 
like um, small C conservatives should like as well, right? Because one of those tenets of libertarianism and small C conservatism is you want money devolving down to the smallest level of government you can. So ideally more money goes from feds to province, more money goes from province to cities and towns, get money closer to the people who can spend it at the grassroots. So this is one of those areas where I, 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 Conservatives and libertarians and I actually agree on something <laughs> when they hold true to their own beliefs. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll see how sneak, that goes. sneak that one. All right. All right. Saskatoon, so, feeding people in need. Yes. Um, pop this up on the screen again. Uh, so Saskatoon man's Facebook page is helping people in need. Bowman Blackmon started the Facebook page Never Hungry Saskatoon three years ago. Uh, he worked in the oil industry and lost his job. Um, and now he runs a page that is helping people eat. So started buying food for people in need. Uh, he says uh, it started with 50 of his friends, but is up yep. to 1,300 uh, followers. This reminds me of there's a uh, a Facebook group for Regina as well, like a, a help okay. Re- Re- Regina group, and uh, it, basically it's a group where you can. I don't know if this is run the same way, but uh, you can post if you need help, and people who can help you will help you in this yeah. Facebook group. So there's a different Facebook group that this reminds me of as well, and I'm gonna I am gonna say this is a feel good story. However, yes. <laughs> there's a different Facebook group that it reminds me of called Dystopian Events Repackaged as Feel Good Stories. Um, <laughs> um, yes, that's correct. This is also that. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, it is good that people are stepping up. I am glad that people are stepping up. That shouldn't, yes. that should never, never allow us to lose sight of the fact that it is dystopian that they have to. Yeah, um, they should never have to. <laughs> Eight-year-olds should not be having to have bake sales to pay off their classmates' student lunch. Or, you know, yeah, that's right. I was a student lunch debt, but like school lunch debt. Um, yeah, grandparents shouldn't have to be going back to work when they are eighty years old to help their great grandchildren with college debt. Um, yep. And we shouldn't have to have an individual who lost his job, uh, had a suicide attempt, talked about how his life had lost meaning, being the person to step up and make a difference in the lives of people who are on the verge of dying of starvation in a incredibly affluent country. This is, I think, something that we've mentioned before. Um, the idea that... Uh, People who work in shelters and stuff, they all are looking at this as Band-Aid solutions. Yep. Uh, they all see this and they go, okay, this is great, but we need to fix the system that is stopping people from getting enough to eat, that have, from having enough yep. to pay their bills, or, you know, from having a home, yep. stuff like that. The second most vulnerable people in society being the ones to step up and save the most vulnerable people in society is not the way to be doing this. No. Um, and again, private charity. And like, I try and do my part 
um, when I can, as much as I can, or probably not as much as I can, but I try and do my part. But recognizing that entire time, like, as you said, these are, these are band-aid solutions. So it's, it's a good story. He needs to be recognized for the um, amazing work and the good work he's doing. But the other part of this is imagine if we had a society where there weren't people who were about to die of starvation if he didn't step up and, or, or malnutrition, even if you don't want to say starvation, um, fall, fall prey to malnutrition if it weren't for him stepping up. Imagine the other things he could be doing. Like this is obviously (laughs) like this is obviously an amazing person, right? He taught, he hit a rough patch and in his hour of need, in his hour of darkness, in his, in his time when he himself was struggling, he stepped to make, stepped up to make the world a better place. I fully believe in my heart. If he didn't see people literally starving, he would have done the same thing and stepped up in a different way to make the world better. Like this could have been someone who, and again, not to like, this is the opposite of taking away from the amazing thing he did, but what other amazing thing would he have done had this not been the need he saw? Right. We, we sort of move our way up that Maslow's hierarchy of needs. (laughs) Um, and it's true of so many people, right? The people who are working in, um, food banks and who are working in abuse shelters and all of these other places. They would be just as amazing people if those dire needs weren't there. And then they would be helping us defeat climate change. And when that's done, they would be like, they wouldn't come coming (laughs) up with that next great video game that all of us are really wishing was there. You know, what have you, like human advancement um, would continue on and we would all benefit from it. This idea that this is just helping the poor, this is just helping those in need is, is faulty because societies progress for, like, for everyone. Trickle up in economics is definitely real. Trickle down, I think, has been pretty thoroughly debunked, but trickle up yeah. economics is absolutely a real thing. It's, we see that time and time again when, when you have excess resources people will turn to other ways of enrichment people don't just sit around on their butt all day people do find ways of making the world better so rant number four of the night this this thing where we spend less time lets me have more rants just shorter ones (laughs) just slightly shorter one more story in this uh before we get into our major stories yeah (laughs) so um not found criminally responsible Yes, Saskbound, Saskman found not criminally responsible yeah. for killing his father, who he believed was an imposter. This is, I believe, a story about uh, a person who had uh, a mental break. Yep. And um, it's unfortunate that somebody uh, died. But what is fortunate is that he will not be found criminally responsible and will be instead getting help and yep. not going to jail. Yeah. This is a, a, I know lots of people will think that this is a, uh, a quote unquote, get out of jail free situation, yeah. but this is not what this is. This is a person who will be getting the help needed to get them into a, a better situation so that stuff like this doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, I remember like, I, I remember weird things from school. I think I was in grade eight social studies class learning sort of about the justice system and talking about their, you know, fundamental precept of, 
um, the law and sort of Western democracies is this idea that there's two things that you need. There needs to actually have been a crime committed um, and there needs to have been intent. Um, and that's like, there wasn't like, that is where the whole um, mental health issue comes in as a affirmative defense. And I'm not yeah. sure if I'm using that terminology correct, but um, an affirmative defense, you have, you have to be able to prove there wasn't the intent there because of the mental illness. Um, and this seemed like it was a pretty clear case where that was the situation. I also under, like know from talking to um, lawyers that uh, not criminally responsible by reason of mental capacity is a, again, I'm sure that's the exact terminology, but is an incredibly rare defense and it's even more rare that it's successful. So, and there's yeah, a good it's, chance it's really he'll be hard. Yeah, there's a good chance he will be in mental health treatment the rest of his life. Like in many ways, it's 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 likely he would he will be under the supervision of the state um, for an even longer period of time than he would have been had he been found guilty. So it's definitely yeah. not a get out of jail free card. Um, no, it's it, it, against. There's that sense of justice where people want the guilty punished, and I get that. Um, and we'll maybe talk a little bit more about that in one of our, our <laughs> deeper dive segments. But um, they found no motive to harm his father. It seems to be the right decision. Um, yep. So, yeah. Yeah, I felt, I felt this was uh, exactly right uh, the way this went. Yeah, perfect. So, all right. On to the B segment. <laughs> um, okay. We went a little so, long on A, so we'll see how this goes. See but how this goes. Not a few maybe stories we're going to deeper a, dive in, but maybe these will be end up end up being shorter than I expected. Yeah. <laughs> but first, Let's see what I can do. We're gonna go with uh, Saskatchewan Judge yeah. Rules University must give Professor Oil and Gas Research information. Uh, she filed a. Uh, um, a, a FOIA request or a freedom of yep. information request, uh, for, at the university to get, uh, various things, documents. And, uh, the university used a discretionary class exemption, yep. uh, so that they, because they felt that this would privilege, this would give up some privileged information, yeah. some information that could cause like copy, uh, not, not copyright, but patent issues or, uh, yeah. or, and I understand you. privacy issues as well. So, yeah. Yeah. So, but the my judge hot ruled that, Sorry, go, on, no. <laughs> oh, go ahead. No, I say, my hot take. Every single person involved in this story was right. Um, <laughs> she was right for asking for the information. The university yeah. was right for saying no, and the judge was right for making them do it anyways. And here's what I mean by that. The university has an obligation to err on the side of saying no, because once you give the information, you can't take it back. Um, right. It sucks yeah. that it is a burden on the court system, but if the university has a concern that they are violating – that they might violate privacy by agreeing to a freedom of information request. They, they, they have that obligation to seek guidance elsewhere. Um, they yeah, probably did some yeah. internally seeking guidance too. If it was clear cut, they were like, if it was clear cut that this was a case where they were supposed to give the information, I'm hoping the lawyer said, this is a clear cut case where you're supposed to give the information. Um, 
But in the grand scheme of, okay, you don't want to put a burden on the court system. I highly suspect, and maybe I'm wrong, but I highly suspect if the university had made a different decision, that still would have been a burden on the court system because yeah. then whoever was giving the money in the first place would have brought that university to court for divulging private information uh, when they weren't supposed to. Right. So yeah, they still it, would have ended up in front of the courts. Yeah. No matter yeah. what. And yeah. So it, it was clearly a situation where no matter what the university did, there was going to be that extra level of scrutiny applied to it. Right. Yeah. And I and it so, and it sucks that they made um, the uh, the professor go through the extra steps of asking and 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 taking it to court and that is that is an unfortunate burden within the system we have and I would like to figure out ways of easing that burden for people who want to have you know get information um, I hope it wasn't too burdensome um, yeah for her but um, I, again I I really actually do think everyone behaved the way they were supposed to, including like, I think I'm glad at the end result, I'm glad this information comes to light. I, I, from everything I've read and I'm not a lawyer from everything I've read, it seems like this is the type of information that the law should like lawyers get to say whether the law does say this information come to light, even untrained. I get to say whether I think it should come to light, whether the law agrees <laughs> right, with me yeah, or not, right? right? The law should be yeah. structured in such a way that it does allow this type of information to come to light. Yeah. If the judge ruled, no, it doesn't, then that's a sign we need to tinker with the law somehow. Um, but I think it's good that it did come to light. I, I am also, like I said, I'm, I'm pretty happy that the university is erring on the side of caution about releasing it because you don't want universities releasing information that could put at jeopardy the researchers research being done by their professors. Right, um, yeah. Because that's the other part of it, right? If there's research being done that gets un inappropriately released, that could, you know, wipe out years of work by a professor as someone else comes in and scoops up their research. Um yeah. and again for a privacy reason, if there is information that should remain private, the university shouldn't be handing it out willy nilly. But who's paying for the research, I think is important <laughs> to know publicly. I think that that Pretty. makes that makes a difference. Um, Pretty fucking vital. <laughs> it's it's like when I go to the the if you go to the Saskatchewan Science Center, there's a couple uh, a couple exhibits there. It's like this exhibit talks about how mining doesn't hurt the environment nearly as much as what people say. Paid for by the Saskatchewan Mining Association, yeah. right? Like, yeah. That's right. Wow. <laughs> Thank you for at least letting me know that this is a commercial and not science. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, yeah, or at least part commercial, part science. Anyway, this was supposed to be the longer segment where we dive deeper into stuff, but I don't know if we need to dive that much deeper into that one. Well, yeah, I'm, I still got to get a feel for which segments are. Which yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, no, no, not a criticism. It. I just, I was saying, like, I don't know if you want to say more about it. No, um, that's, I, that's all I got. That's all right. Um, all right. Capital point. The pit. Yes. <laughs> we've we've reached. Yep. We've reached season <laughs> season five of Parks and Rec in the. <laughs> it's no longer pit. a pit. Yeah. It's been an empty field. Now we're actually getting something done with it, but probably not what we actually want done. Maybe that's only season four of yes, in, in our Parks and Rec progress. Um, temporary been... <laughs> parking lot at this point. Yes, but the um, the back taxes are getting paid. Yes, which is that's, good. I don't know if that's in the story that you're showing on the screen, but the back taxes are being paid. So. I, be um, I believe it was, yes. Yeah, so 
Uh, it's it's through a a it's indirectly uh, the they've received a reduction in those taxes thanks to uh, a bank uh, yeah. and the previous owner. So not everybody like they didn't have to pay all of the taxes, but the city got all of what was owed. Right, and that's I pardon me like. I don't care who's paying the city as long as the city's getting paid, <laughs> right? Like that's yeah. that's the thing, right? It's the taxpayer yeah. is is the taxpayer isn't giving money away to a private company for taking land that could otherwise belong to the city. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, um, like, is it ideal? Is it exactly what I want to see happen? No, but it's definitely a step in the right direction. Um, it's it's a step. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's where we're at. Um, yeah. Uh, Andrew Stevens, city councilor, uh, yeah. said, I think this means we made a good decision, not bending and forfeiting hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I, I have to agree. No, that's yeah. Like you say, we <laughs> talked about this before. We so. talked about it before. It was supposed to be a skyline defining Build, but instead spent majority of its history as a vacant hole. <laughs> like that's uh, that that writing, Chef's Kiss. Mwah, like that's yeah, that's some that's, that's right. some that's some good <laughs> prose by the Regina Leader Post. There it was supposed to be a skyline defining build, but instead spent the majority of its history as a vacant hole. I love it. That's uh... collecting water and civic ridicule. <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah. like a, a millennial Who wrote meme. This? this is this is a well written article. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the millennial meme is just that that phrase capture screen captured with the line underneath. <laughs> me too. Hole. Me too. <laughs> right? Like that's. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So, anyways, Alec uh, Alec Saloum had uh, is is a damn fine writer when it comes to yeah. describing this this story. So well done. But, but yeah, there's not much. <laughs> There's not a lot of nuance on that. So um, yeah. I think this is the okay. story that is where we, I, I think we will end up spending a larger, a larger portion of our time perhaps. Yes, I think so. Um, let's see. I'll get this up on the screen. And remorse, a factor in no hate speech charges after the shooting of Colton Bushy. Yeah. Uh, so, there was a lot of hate spread online uh, after the uh, death of Colton Bushy and the following trial. Yeah. Uh, it was, I mean, some of us spent uh, some time pushing back on it. Some of us spent some time promoting all like uh, more socially uh, aware ideas. Yep. And, uh, but there was a lot of really, really awful stuff yeah. uh, being spread. It was vile. It was violent. It absolutely, unequivocally crossed the line into hate speech. As, again, uh, my line on this, like, I think my line is way, way, way higher than most people on the left. Like in my mind, the line to cross over into something being hate speech has to be pretty damn heinous. Like there needs to be a direct call to violence in order for, in, like in my mind, for us to start having the state step in and limit speech. I think we should set an incredibly high bar for when 
the government actually steps in and says, no, no, this is speech that crosses a line. Yeah. So much of what's said even crossed that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's one of these things where you will always see racist comments on any article yeah. or, or story related to indigenous peoples. Um, and it's fine to call that racism. Like it, we might not be able to say that it's hate speech yeah. and that, or, you know, under our legal set, setting, uh, but it's absolutely racism and we can absolutely call it out and, uh, news outlets absolutely have the authority to delete racist bullshit off of their Facebook pages. Um, far too few of them actually do it <laughs> in yeah. my opinion, but every once in a while now, like you will still see like the calls for people to act violently towards indigenous peoples. And, uh, during, after, after the, the, uh, Colton Bushy situ like during and after the Colton Bushy situation, there was um, a lot of people that were saying like, and they were saying that things like that he should have like they this person like Colton Bushy deserved it like that there were people who said that. Uh, only beyond that. Yeah. yeah, they they shouldn't have stopped at the just one or like just awful awful there were, things. There were people calling for genocide. Yeah, like I'm not going to say word for word what they said, but they were they were literally I literally saw people calling for genocide and that genocide would solve the problem. Um, yeah, this this says like some people made comments online approving of the violence done to Mr. Bushi and lamenting that more of his group had not been killed that day, and not not even just approving of it not just lamenting but like actively saying we need to do more of this yep. stuff like that like it was uh, yeah it was awful yep um so yeah. i guess we could discuss the actual why the prosecution actually said that it uh chose not to yep. um they they say that they reviewed the RCMP investigations into the comments and didn't recommend charges because there was no reasonable likelihood of conviction, which is not a terrible reason. I, I understand that that's quite likely. It's incredibly hard to uh, get a conviction on something like this. But I also think there might have been a value in making the effort. Yep. But I don't know. You know? I... I one of the one of the questions asked by um, the lawyer of Colton Bushy's family, um, I, I think that's who this quote is. I don't ask this lightly, but I ask whether or not the public would believe that Indigenous people who are the subjects of criminal investigations in Saskatchewan are granted the same sort of leniency. Um, I would I would certainly I would certainly say that's no. But I'm going to take that further. If the there is the death of a police officer and the person who killed the police officer was found not guilty. And during the trial, someone went online and said, I'm glad that cop got killed. And I wish more police officers would get killed. If we just murdered every police officer, we wouldn't have these problems. 
the solution to this situation is go out and kill a cop. Everyone should go out and kill a cop today. If you had someone saying that, do you think you would have, um, <laughs> do you think you would have police saying, uh, you know, this is, you know, this is probably inappropriate, but didn't cross the line. Um, and we have a, a, a low likelihood of conviction <laughs> on violent threats. Yeah. You, like, and I'm going to point out police officers aren't a, like, occupation is not a protected class under, yeah. like, police officer isn't an identity, it's a job. So, yeah. It does not, nor really should it not, receive the same protection as a race or a gender or other protected um, classes within society that are, are yeah. So, yeah. the if anything, the bar should be higher in a circumstance where that type of threat is made to the cop. Um, and but I would argue, you and I probably both agree, as much as we don't like police and as we said earlier the police are the bad guys someone who says that (laughs) even even if you believe the police are the bad guys that someone saying that probably should still face legal consequences for going online and saying something to the extreme not saying cops are bad guys but to the extreme of what i just said right we we say defund the police we want them to lose their jobs we don't want them we don't murder the police right i don't I, i like I am sure there are people who have said that. Um, of, of course, yeah. yeah you can find I, an example of absolutely everything, absolutely, right? right? Um, I, I'm sure there's probably music that has that. Um, <laughs> there but, is, in fact. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, like, the outrage over even just fuck the police, let alone, again, and defund the police, yeah, is, is so high. Uh, we're not even getting into... Hey, murder the police, and especially not getting into this specific officer is good that they died, right. and more like uh, Ice T's cop his, killer. Yeah. It was was not about a specific officer. It was not yeah. a call to violence against specific officers. No. Um, like you feel what you feel about Ice T. Um, and maybe getting my. No, you're right. I was going to say, I may be getting my <laughs> 80s rapper wrong. No, you're right. Okay. Uh, NWA and Ice Cube were fuck the police. Ice T was cop killer. Cop killer. Okay. <laughs> I thought so. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, uh, you again, we know that when the police are upset, they have the resources available to track down people who piss them off. Yeah. Um, we've seen that a numerous times over this last year, even when there are, um, when there are issues that the, the police are concerned about or feel violated or feel scared. Um, <laughs> and, and the reverse, like we, we say the exact same opposite, like not, not the opposite, but we bring up the, we bring up the fact that the opposite happens not that we say the opposite, but we bring up the fact that the opposite happens in those circumstances. You know, somehow weirdly someone says something mean or not nice about the police and all of a sudden they're having cops show up at their door for unrelated things out of nowhere. Yep. And we say, oh, really? So 
now you can do something. So when women are calling you saying, my violent ex-boyfriend is threatening to murder me, you can't do anything until he actually crosses the threshold. But when someone says police are poopy heads, now that's considered a violent threat. Yeah. So, and again, this is, this is that other end of it. Like these, <laughs> these cross the line. Some, some should have been crossing the line because of uttering threats and some should have been crossing the line for violent hate speech. Um, but multiple circumstances crossed the line. One of the, one of the things in the headline about, uh, it says about the remorse being one of the factors. Uh, and one of the comments by, uh, the Bushi family lawyer, uh, was uh, why neither Bushi's family nor legal counsel were informed yeah. why, that some people accused of making the posts had expressed remorse. Yeah. Um, I think that's an important thing. Like if you don't, if you, if you that's not remorse, remorse then. that's yeah. feeling, that's being sorry. You got caught. That's not yeah. remorse. Yeah. Right. If you are remorse if, involves if you remorse, reaching you out to the victim. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> you should never be <laughs> remorseful in private. Doesn't do anybody any good. Yeah. <laughs> and like maybe it does you good. Maybe, and maybe it helps you turn your life around, but um, good for you. But in a case like this, yeah yeah i i think it is it is unfortunate i i was hearing and and this is again i tangent um but uh, listening um today and last couple days around people's talking about uh, gina carano and I realize this seems like it's an unrelated. <laughs> Where are you going with this, Dave? Um, but one of the points that keeps coming up with Gina Carano, the, the Mandalorian actress who was fired, and fired back in November, and Disney just bothered, like, explicitly mentioned it recently because it turns out she's awful, um, or even more yeah. awful than we already knew. Um, so she was fired back in November for being problematic. They're not hiring her. It sounded like they had and no intentions of hiring her back anyways. But everyone's talking about how, oh, you just can't say anything these days. Um, <laughs> I'm like, yes, you can. Like these people obviously were able to say all sorts of violent, hateful things. Even Gina Carano said like all sorts of horrifying things and – it was a withdrawal of a privilege, not a punishment. And and again, we've talked about where's that line, and sometimes that line is is questionable. Yeah. But like no one has the intrinsic right to star in a Hollywood movie. Right? Like I, I am not being discriminated against because no because no one from Lucasfilm has cast me as a Jedi yet. Well, I don't know. I don't know about you, but I feel like I've been discriminated. Like and, and yes, we have laws to protect against discrimination. So yes, being fired for, you know, certain things should be against. But we also have at-will employment, and we've talked about this. I think we even talked about this last week. Yeah. Um, uh, and the same with, like, there, there are private consequences that are, are fine, that are not illegal. We, we don't see legal consequences. We don't see things actually being prohibited or illegal. Um, no. And people keep talking about how you can't say anything. You can literally call, like, you can literally call publicly and advocate for the murder of indigenous people publicly and face, and face no legal no consequences cons for it. <laughs> so you're telling me that, Oh, 
you're somehow not allowed to say you don't like uh, what a ridiculous a, notion yeah. <laughs> right like yes you are allowed to say things no one is punishing you for saying things. People can choose to not like you for the words you say, but all sorts of people don't like me for the words I say. I'm not persecuted oh, yeah. from that. I'm just an asshole. <laughs> <And> <laughs> some people are okay with me being an asshole. They like the kind of asshole I am. I typically hate men who say, oh, I'm just an asshole because it's usually a bad sign. So I'm falling. Right. Yeah. Um, usually but, that, that, usually that's a sign that they're an abuser. <laughs> right. But uh, like I am, <laughs> but, I am, yeah. a, I am, I am a, I can be at times a loudmouth opinion. You need a jerk. I recognize that. I'm working on that for me. This podcast is a wonderful outlet, so I don't inflict it on others that I love. Um, only yeah. people who choose to hear it have to hear it here. Um, but like, there are people in my life who do not like me because of purely because of the words that I've said. Um, yeah. I, you know, I just, I grate people the wrong way. I get on people's nerves. Um, I have lots of people who I love and who love me and I have, you know, who, who like this part of who I am, but I'm not persecuted when someone goes, Hey, I don't really like you. And there have been job interviews I have gone into. And because of the words that I say in the job interview and nothing bad, like not even screwing up, just someone else said right. better words than me. Um, yeah. Other than job interviews, I haven't gotten the job because I answered a question the way they didn't want to hear. Um, yeah. And like, she didn't get she like in the case of Gina Carano, she didn't get fired mid contract. Her contract ended. The season was done. They're not going to bring her back from a second season. They're not good. They thought they were going to give her a spinoff. They decided not to. They're allowed to do that. And, and again, we're allowed to not like any of these people who say these things, but we now yeah, have apparently evidence. They're not. Yeah. Yeah. We now have evidence that that's the, that is the limit of the punishment they're getting. Um, and that we have proof now that sadness is the only consequence for, you know, violent threats or violent hate speech. So. Yeah. All right. Next time. We'll do one more story and then we'll close out. All right. Trustees so had... present motion for system-wide anti-oppression training in Regina yeah. public schools. This is a good way to deal with things like the previous story. Yeah. Uh, uh, Lacey Weeks, we've talked about her. We talked about her during the uh, elections. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, I'm glad she's on board. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Ted Gilletta, also one of the trustees, bringing forward the motion. Yeah. <laughs> Ted's smiling face in the middle of the article. I love seeing it. He's the one who shared. He's the one who shared the story with me. That like minutes after the the story came out, Ted sent me a. <laughs> nice. got to, yeah, so I'm excited. Um, and this is what he ran on. Like this was right. for, like front and center in his campaigning was that this is the thing that that this type of thing he's going to do. Um, so. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good. Um, they they talk about um, I, I like where it, you know talks about kids being labeled as violent kids, and they tend to get suspended rather than using the opportunity to find out what is root cause. Um, we tend to have very inconsistent treatment of kids in the school system, um, and you and I were talking a little bit about this even before the podcast about people's implicit biases. I mm. I don't think. 
and I think it's important that this training d- d- deals with implicit bias as well. I don't think you have a lot of teachers who are saying to themselves, oh, this black kid is you know, worse because he's black. We need to punish black kids more severely not. than white yeah. kids for the same thing. They're not. This isn't someone intentionally saying that. Right. Um, I think this is systems in place that lead to uh, indigenous students facing more severe consequences for the same actions because of things that are subtly and subconsciously impacting those who make the decisions. That instinct that an old lady or, or any person perhaps uh, has to lock their vehicle when an indigenous person walks by or uh, on the bus, they grab their purse or uh, check their wallet. Uh, You know, that instinct, that, is racism. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know people don't want to feel like that. That's racism, but that is racism. And we all, all, all people have it, not just all white people, but all people have some level of this, uh, in them. And we all need to be acknowledging it and, uh, working against it. And programs like this is how we, oh, sorry, is how we start, <laughs> start, yeah. uh, working on that. Absolutely. And I've talked to it before about like, White supremacy is this background noise that exists at all times in the world. Like, um, you, you cannot, you cannot escape it. It is, it, it, at times is very low level. It is quiet in the background. Um, but the ability to recognize it is important for fighting it. Um, yeah. A, like the argument I, I keep hearing online all the time, it essentially boils down to you're the racist for pointing out the racism. Um, like how often do you see that? Right. Someone, someone points out, someone <laughs> yeah. points out racism is happening and instantly, you make everything about race. Yeah. Instantly the comments come out. You're the one that's the real racist. Cause you're pointing out the, like cause you're, you're talking about this. And I was like, do these people think the weatherman controls the rain? <laughs> like, is that, is yeah. that the mindset? Like, yeah. Oh, fucking, Jim, you know, Jim Jimson from the radio <laughs> is causing it to rain today. What do you mean? Well, I listened to the radio and they said there was a 80% chance of rain. So Jim Jimson is obviously making it rain. Like, no, no. <laughs> More importantly, and, and this is where I expand the metaphor to the next step. If you don't pay attention to the fact that it's raining or listen to the people who tell you that it's raining, you are way less likely to bring an umbrella with you. Yeah. Um, or wear a raincoat. And that's like, you cannot be anti-racist without acknowledging that you're racist. You are. We all are. We all have that. Greater, lesser degrees. I said this before, I would like to think I have reduced that within myself. Like, I fight against it. We, we, we have to acknowledge it, examine it, try and, you know, cut it out of our, 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 of who we are, but you cannot fight it unless you acknowledge that it's there. Yeah, that's right. So I, this training is amazing. I love it. Um, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how it's implemented. Um, I also think the vast overwhelming majority of teachers um, in their hearts support the message of this. Either I'm probably going to be some who say they don't like the training itself, but I think, I think even the ones who, push back against it. And I don't think there's going to be many that push back against it no, at all. Yeah. Um, but I think even amongst the small number who do push back against it probably do have in their hearts <sighs> belief, like belief towards the outcomes of this just may disagree with 
where it's coming from or how they're going to get there. Um, so I, I think you have amazing teachers within the school system who are going to uh, take this training and be able to implement the very things that they're wanting to do. Because so many teachers I know when they do uncover these implicit biases within themselves are the first to say, oh, shit. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize I was doing that. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> Because teachers, when wow. they're not in school, yeah. swear like a banshee. They swear worse than either or I when there's no kids <laughs> yeah. around. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they, they say, right? like, fuck, I didn't realize that. Shit, I guess now that I've caught it, I need to put work into fixing it. And I think this type of training is going to do wonders for helping them, giving them tools to do that, giving them tools to do the very things they want to do when supporting their students. So, Yep. Okay, hey. so we will not be doing our mo-drama segment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, there is a number of other stories that we just didn't get to today. Uh, yep. If if people watching or listening to this ever think that we need to cover something that we haven't covered, definitely let us know. Um, yeah. I just I I don't always have you know we ha we only put on the notes the things that occur to us what we come across. Uh, and this week I almost had to actively go out and search for a lot of stories because there was. Uh, there's just not as much bombarding me as there has been in the past. So, okay, fair enough. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think being able to touch on things people want to hear um, will make will make the podcast better because you and I only have two perspectives um, on what's yeah. important. So. Yep, absolutely. All right, you can find us at Anchor.fm/slash From Many Peoples. Our Twitter account is at skpoliticspod. We are at facebook.com slash from many people's strength pod. And our email is from many peoples at gmail.com. So that's awesome. it for the evening. Thank you once again, Corey, for organizing this and uh, having such joining. a well-structured agenda for us to go through this time. <laughs> I appreciated that. Help keep me focused and keep my ramblings more contained than usual. So that was yeah. wonderful. And uh, I look forward to chatting with you again next week. <laughs> you bet. All right. Take care.